Well, we're back, Secret Squad, and you better just get ready. You don't want to move from your chair, from your, of course, your car, if that's where you're listening, because today is going to be filled with so much interesting information. And this may be one of the most fun podcasts that I've done, and I cannot wait to start this episode. This is the third installment of my The Secret to Turning Your Dreams into a Reality Series, where I dive into the minds of the world's most successful and inspiring women and men. This week, I'm here with Gabby Reese. So welcome. Thank you so much, Robin. No, thank you. Thank you. But you're so welcome. Gabby is the volleyball icon the successful cover model, the health and wellness expert, and the best-selling author, the mother and loving wife. Her accomplishments just don't stop. Gabby smashed volleyball records in both college and pro and became Nike's first ever female spokesperson. So let's get started because I have to tell all of my listeners out there, uh, Gabby, and I'm just gonna tell you right now, first off, can I just say Gabrielle? Oh, you want to say it one time at least? Just one time. Absolutely. Oh, how do you feel about Gabrielle? It's just, it's so long. It's such so, a beautiful uh, name. Yeah, I think when you come from sports and people have to yell at you a lot, you have oh, to find true. a really short name to be, true. you know, to yell oh, at. Oh, I love Gabby. I love Gabby oh, Reese. No, but it I just flows. What's funny is my entire childhood, I was Gabrielle. And then as I got older and went and played in college and such, I became Gabby. Mm-hmm. But what is funny is my husband... On the rare occasion that um, we might, he might sort of really be sort of trying to get into it with me. Yeah. He'll say, "Oh, okay, Gabrielle," and then I'm like, "Did you just use my whole name?" Oh, I love Those it. Those are fighting words. Oh, I love it. But I not for me. It. You can call me Gabrielle. So you are the epitome of an accomplished woman, an accomplished athlete, a wife, a mother. Mm-hmm. You have a, a great focus in life. Would you say that? Yes, I think by nature, I am very focused. And then when I had purpose, you know, whether it first started with with athletics as really a vehicle to, to sort of uh, get me from one place to the next in life, if you will, um, you know, it, maybe it's sort of like your ticket out. Mm-hmm. And, uh, mm-hmm. and, it's, and I'll, because it is challenging, you have to be focused. And uh, certainly then moving into work and, and a relationship and, and, and for the last many years, children, you have less time. And so you learn how to prioritize things even in a tighter way Mm -hmm. and, um, and, and try to be focused. But to be honest, it's also something that I have to learn to stop doing. I think sometimes being task oriented and goal oriented and being overly focused, you miss a little bit of the spontaneous or nuanced mm-hmm. things in life. Mm-hmm. And so as as well as I do the focused part, I'm continuously sort of trying to check myself and go, mm. you know, are you being playful? Are you just letting it be whatever it is? And so I, I think it's it's when we need to be focused, having that full capacity and then living. Wow. You know. You just shared some what I think is pivotal information and guidance for all of the listeners out there, because I think that's so true. We all can become very into who we are in life and, and whether that's in work, at home, whatever we find is our passion. Yeah. And sometimes we can get so focused in that role, just as you just said. Yeah. I think that's very important to sometimes check ourselves, as you said, and remember we're surrounded, and especially women, because we play so many roles in our lives. Absolutely. Woman, wife, mother, sister. Yeah, it's it's a gift, and it's very confusing, and sometimes it's it's hard. It's very Um, hard. You know, and and uh, it's a privilege as well, but a hundred percent. And and I also think it's interesting where uh, I'm at a place now in my life where I've been in my marriage for I've been I've been married for 22 years. I've been with my husband ah, for 24, and I have you know children. But now I'm at a place where I I want to just tell women to just make sure they understand what they want, mm. not what they're told that they should want. Um, you know maybe they don't want to be married, maybe they don't want to have children. I think it's all good. And and I think part of me took a certain route, but wants 
to remind women that um, it's really about it's their journey, mm-hmm. and uh, there's there's really the only wrong way is if you go against your your own self or your own voice. You know, it goes in levels, right? So yes. I even say like it goes. You can be somebody's partner. You can be a mom. A grandma, mm-hmm. and then you can be a woman, yes. and then really the pinnacle is just you, the person. That's right. And start and remind people to start there. Um, you know, I have people going, "Oh, you're a feminist," and I go, "No, I'm actually moving into humanist at this yeah, point. I love like I'm going to transcend all that because I I think that that's when we really can connect fully and wholly with our inner voice because certainly a gender is a very strong and large part mm-hmm. of who all of us are. That's right. However. It's just us, the person. And just at the end of the day, that's right. It's just time for us to sit with ourselves, yeah, and just think and visit with ourselves. And am I really doing what I was yeah. meant to do, or what I want to do? And it's it doesn't have to be limited. Does your family adjust well to you? Because also people get accustomed to like, well, that's who, that's what you do, and mm-hmm. you're you've always been mom, your mom, and mm-hmm. your grandma, and okay, you've worked a little on the side, or, and then you know women will go through their lives and make shifts and things like that. I often think it's really funny to watch families react to that. Yes, you know, like mm-hmm. you yes. know, like well, what do you mean you're like you're going to go do whatever, uh-huh. or you know, you know, my family has always and still are very supportive of everything I do because. If I choose to do something different, yeah, um, it's only because I add that to my life, and I don't stop being their mom yeah. or his wife. Yeah, this is who I am. I'm a strong woman. I can do it all. Yeah, I can still be your mother. I can still be your wife. I can still be your friend, and add to this role of who I am in in this world. Yes, I, I think part of it is though, and and maybe that. It is a nuanced conversation where I do think we do a lot of accommodating. I think women, you know, you'll even hear the psychology reports in general, not all, we're more amenable. That's mm-hmm. even the toughest ones of us are, yes. are you know, we, we sort of adapt and adjust. And I actually think there's something also really healthy about doing that, especially when you have young children mm-hmm. or maybe you're in a newer relationship and you're kind of developing uh, trust and, you know, deposits, if you will. Mm -hmm. And then there, I think there's something really healthy for giving everybody a kick in the pants and saying, okay, well, maybe I'm not going to bend and flex quite as much because it doesn't seem to be Mm -hmm. called for. And all of you can also Mm -hmm. adapt. And I don't want to say grow up a little bit, Mm -hmm. but also learn maybe it's okay to adapt around you. That's exactly right. How do your children handle the success of their mother? You know, it's an interesting thing because in, in our house, uh, both Laird and I are, um, that's part of our work, but also it is part of our interests. Mm-hmm. So it is, it's a sort of an extension of who we are. However, we're very hands-on parents mm-hmm. and we're, we don't, um, they're, they're, you know, there's not a lot of flashy or smooth surfaces around Laird and I. We're messy, kind of here we are people. Um, but it's, we have three daughters, so it's a different dynamic oh, where they, I think sons c- look to their, like compare themselves to their fathers. Mm-hmm. I don't know that daughters do it quite as much. Um, one of my daughters kind of seems to be trying to figure out and l- using me a little bit. Uh, as, as a role model? Y- or just sort of l- l- gauging, like mm-hmm. where was I at and what did I do? But but very differently. She's the only one. Um my youngest is 12 and my oldest is, is 24, so she's fully formed. But I think it's also I'm very, I'm so much like their mother. Uh-huh. Um, and that might come later where they re- see, can recognize me as an individual person. Uh-huh. Um, and then at moments, you know, if we're somewhere or people are like, oh, and I can see them rolling their eyes inside, like, oh, brother, you know. Oh, really? Of course, yeah. it's your mother yeah. or yeah. your father. It's like, it's oh, like come on, those you don't see her at home when yes. she's. Yes, <laughs> and, you know, she's always nagging me and telling yeah. me to pick up things yeah. and, like, yeah. manners and things like that. So, you know, we're very it's much so in that dynamic. That. Yeah, I, I think what the hope is, is that Laird and I are, are being good examples mm-hmm. about um, what hard work looks like, mm-hmm. what treating people well looks like. And um, 
and some there somewhere within that, even though we say it, but that hopefully it feels intuitive to them, that ultimately it's their life. And all we really want for them are to have those very important pillars, mm -hmm. but to express it any way you want. So we sort of talk about foundational things like, you know, being truthful, being kind, being hardworking, you know, these things. And so it's sort of the foundation of your house, mm -hmm. but then paint your house whatever color you want. Yes. You know, like if you yes. want to be an artist or you, I, I don't, it does not matter to mm -hmm. me. It's that foundation part. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I do think in some ways, even if you had like a parent that maybe owned a business or was a CEO or something or a doctor or scientist or something, that there is an interesting can be pressure on those kids about, well, that's where the starting point mm -hmm. You know, Laird and I didn't have that. We didn't have a, a sort of a litmus for success. It was like, okay, good luck. Get out, you know, get out there. Mm -hmm. And I was 17 and he was 16. Oh. But I think we've set a place where that could be the starting point. Mm -hmm. And so maybe sometimes for, for people's children, that might be harder than we realize. Because we equate it to, well, we got you good education. Mm -hmm. you, we took trips. We showed you things. You had a nice life. And from their point of view... Sometimes it's like, oh, that's the starting point. Yes. So I, I'm, I've tried to really learn about that. Yeah, mm -hmm. I didn't realize that in the beginning. Mm -hmm. We were very, are very thankful that the success of Philip being Dr. Phil sure. uh, came much later in their lives. Mm -hmm. Now, our boys are seven years apart. Jay was just starting law school oh, yeah, so and Jordan was 15. Mm. So it was much Probably later for life. the younger for Jordan. Mm -hmm. We had created the foundation of yeah. who they are and who they were were at the time and what type of personalities and characteristics that we they yeah. had created for themselves and we had helped to do. But uh, that really helped. That really helped. And I think so. The entire time we were raising them out of the public eye, it was just important to us that we teach them to be good citizens. We kept using that phrase. You know, it's a scary thing nowadays being a parent, starting young now and yeah. being a parent and bringing your children into the world and because things have changed so much. But uh, Well, yeah, you have to fight the good fight of uh, electronics, yes, which uh, yes. I, hopefully at some point somebody develops some protocol. Yes. Uh, you know, my kids are in the experimental window of this, and it's uh, it's been very uh, interesting and concerning, and yeah. there's a lot to it. Do you ever uh, talk about at home? When, uh, when I say talk about, I don't mean like discuss it, but are your daughters aware that you're one of the five most beautiful women in the world, according to Elle magazine? You know, the, the conversation for me as their mom and one of the female role models in their life, mm -hmm. hopefully, or yes. a female that they would model after, they have a lot of women, great women to, to look to, but True. is... I think they know that I'm very concerned with my uh, self-care, mm -hmm. so uh, how I eat and, you know, consistent movement and taking care of myself. I think the emphasis has always been on that mm -hmm. because it's actually always been on that for me because I thought that was the part I was in charge of. Mm -hmm. You know, how one looks, you know, to one person, they might say, oh, they find me attractive. And mm -hmm. another person, maybe I'm too tall or maybe I'm too muscular or maybe I am I have a little splash of masculinity. Oh, or, trust me, you can't please everyone. Right. So I think I learned a very long time ago that I would just really stay focused on the things that I, I could be in charge of. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I think it's actually really passed down. My 12-year-old has reached that, you know, when a young girl goes, starts going through puberty, and identifying with themselves in a more womanly way, from mm -hmm. girl way. So she's sort of going through that process, like my hair, my skin, you know, all oh, this. Yes. My 16-year-old is a very beautiful girl, and um, it seems to be in its right place. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, you just hope that you they can sort of feel like uh, that seems like the order of things that also at the end of the day will make me happier. Oh, because wonderful. I think when we play the appearance card over and mm -hmm. over. Um, that's a that's a tough one. So the fact that you were one of 20 most influential women in sports mm -hmm. by women's sports and fitness, that plays much stronger in your home then, which I think is really probably the most important anyway. 
You know, Robin, I have to be honest with you because I have been in a public job in one way or another right. for over 30 years. I think what you start to realize is none of it is sustainable and none of it, it all, it's all, it's like, oh, that's nice. But at the end of the day, it's like, I'm still, it's like you guys, yeah. what are we doing today? And what are my working on now? Mm -hmm. yep. And um, certainly that was, that's a nice recognition, but I've always known, and I don't know why, that if you put any kind of value or importance on that, you're going to be really disappointed. Because by the way, if we took a new cycle of athletes right now, they're going to look to the U.S. women's soccer team right now, or mm -hmm. they're going to look to mm -hmm. skiers or things like that. And not like, I'm always actually surprised when I walk around and a volleyball player, or I get letters and I think, I think to myself, oh, I wonder why, how they know who I am. Do you, do you uh -huh. know what I mean? Yes. So I think it's it's more about um, being grateful yes. and being like that's great, but if I uh, I just really try to keep my head down and say, yeah. am I doing work that is exciting me but, and turning me is today. on? Yes. Correct. And the past ultimately really is the past, and it's nice in fond remembrance of it, but I think it is a very bitter, sweet, and weird mm -hmm. thing mm -hmm. that you can't hold on to. Yes. And it's a bit of pressure almost, I would think, or not it's just, pressure, but that yeah, was well, then, it's unsustainable. This is you know, it's like friends yes. who are musicians. Oh, they're number one. Then they're not, but then they're back. And then yes, actors gosh. who, oh, they're husbands, but now they got some weird and role. And don't you think it's almost unfair to continue to bring that up? I think it can give you a, a, an idea of where people have been and how they've traveled to arrive at this place. Yes. Like, okay, yes, I, that was part of actually why I'm sitting here. Yes, I get that. So it's sort of a reference. Um, but I think, you know, really, if for if I'm looking, because what I'm really interested in is my, real, my own personal happiness, uh -huh. truly, and trying to live a life that when it's all quiet, it feels good. Yes. Uh, because... And the only way to do that is to find the way to recognize and go, oh, well, thank you so much, mm -hmm. but not to attach to it, uh -huh. my value or anything. I agree. Yeah. I totally get that. And just the fact that I just said that could very likely bring undue pressure to your daughters. Well, no, I think, again, what you're, what you're doing is you're just sort of saying a map. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, you were born over here and then you went to college over here. And um, and these are all the things that have gotten you to this place. True. So I always try to to frame things w with that understanding and, and um, and you know, manage myself. Like, you, you know, you, I think, you, but again, I will say this, that I've been really f fortunate. I've had a public job, but I've never had the kind of fame that is like crazy which is a whole other thing to contend with. Uh, I have friends that are, you know, they're very famous. And I just, you have to be, you have to have a different strategy for that. True. I think within where I've lived, it's like I've gotten to work I want to do. And it's cool. And, you know, you go places and people go, oh, hey. But it's not that crazy, kooky fame. True. That is a whole other thing to manage. Mm -hmm. I would say that you have the fame that is so admirable and Ugh. so... It's the kind of fame that everyone wants to know about so that they can try to have a part of that in their life because it is a health and fitness and it's a, a goal that maybe they can achieve. Would you say that? Yes. I mean, well, okay. So if you were in a business where, you know, I, I look at fame is a commodity. So if I go and I, I just have enough attention to have, continue to have the mobility to do the work I want to do, then it's the commodity that's working in my favor. I'm very, I, you know, you have, you have to be strategic for me to sit mm -hmm. here and be like, oh, I don't know. Of course, I'm very strategic about all of this because you have to be, uh, as long as it's again, it, authentic to who you are yes. and where you're going. Yes. Um, uh, but the other side of that was be, just be if you were somebody who was trying to manage many different things, but also one of the things that felt really important was that you took care of yourself. Mm -hmm. Then if I represent that, not just, not me, the person, right? We're all kind of portals to a message really, you know, mm -hmm. like your husband is, it's, it's not Dr. Phil per se. It's he's, he's occupying a space to provide Yes. contribute mm -hmm. through that portal, right? Because it's the authentic. He was doing up. it long before he got, then it was uh, like, oh, and it arrived. National recognition. Correct. Because right. 
I know that when I watch him on that stage doing what he's doing, it is the authentic Philip Calvin McGraw. Right. He's brilliant. He knows what he's doing. It's not scripted. Right. That's who he is. Yeah. He's meant to help other people, and I believe that. So tell us, when did you know volleyball was something you wanted to start doing? Well, uh, so I grew up in the Virgin Islands, and, uh, you know, I dibbled uh, and dabbled a little bit in volleyball there, not very much. Um, and in the, I believe it was like the ninth or maybe 10th grade, and then I was I moved to St. Petersburg, Florida, mm-hmm. and I was six foot three and 15, and um, I, it was one of those things where uh, it was highly uncomfortable. I was probably... S- the expectation would have been that I was much better than I was because of my physical size and mm-hmm. I was a junior. Mm-hmm. But what happened, I think for me, was I found a place uh, where tall was appreciated mm-hmm. and I had a bunch of girls around me. So there was sort of a tribe or a family component. And then, quite frankly, when I got scholarships to go to college, um, I hadn't even contemplated going to university. And so it was an, it was a way... Uh, for me to to go to college. And in college is actually when I not only fell in love with volleyball because I have a very good college coach, uh-huh. um, but that is probably why I went on and continued to play after college. But I hadn't played beach volleyball until after I graduated college. Wow. And then I moved to Miami and then I started playing the beach game. And then after about a year and a half, I had a friend who said, you know, you should move to California and try to really play for real. So I've always been late to things. Uh-huh. Um, I will say this to people who have children that are in sports. If you push your children too early, they will get burnt out most likely, unless they are genuinely fanatical and they're out there. Uh-huh. You will see a kid and they're obsessed and it's their own obsession. You're not pushing them. That's okay. But I think what is healthier to do is to encourage your kid to try a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. And then certainly as they get older, as a 10th grade, I don't know, um, get them to focus maybe on one thing because there's only so much time in the day. Uh-huh. Um, but to to think I'm going to make an athlete um, is almost ridiculous. And if you have daughters, what's even funnier is there's very few opportunities for women. True. So I think it's about asking ourselves why are we trying to sort of force, and I have to watch this with myself, our, force our agenda on our children. Now, we don't want them laying around. We mm-hmm. don't want them lazy. Right. Um, but, you know, 1% of high school athletes will play in college no. and 1% of yeah. college athletes will play in the pros. So people probably need to relax a little bit. <laughs> um, and it's really hard. So true. And so if your kid isn't turned on by how hard it is, um, just pay attention to that. Now, should uh-huh. they be involved in sports and play at least a little bit? They right. should. Right. It's good to work with people. It's good to have a team coach. effort, team All sports. that is great. But, um, you know, it's a, it's a tricky thing. So my size was really good. I'm, mm-hmm. very, I'm highly coachable, I would say, more than I am athletic, actually. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and then the other little sprinkle into that is it's probably part of my story. You yeah. know, I think we all have a path. Mm-hmm. And we're, it's scary, as you know this as a parent, to even believe that our children have a path Mm -hmm. because we want to make sure we line them up Mm -hmm. into their trajectory. Mm -hmm. And I think we actually attribute a lot more, like that we actually have so much control of what they're going to do than they really are going to do. And Uh I I think it's, I understand why, because it's fear-based, why we want to say like, oh, let's, they'll get the education. And in our family, like, oh, sports just feels really safe, you know, both Laird and I. And then you just also have to go, oh, yes, and by the way, they have a story that you are you don't know yet. That's so true. And I find comfort in that, but it's also very scary when you have to accept that. Mm. Just like you with said. With your kids. You could do it with your friends' kids. Like you can see your certain friends and be like, oh, they're going to be fine. They've got the basics down. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Yeah. When it comes to our kids, we want to lock it, we lock it yes. down. So we yes. have to be mindful of that. And I love that you gave the information to all of the listeners that uh, give them some time. Don't push too early. If you met me when I was 14 and then you saw me again at 17, you would think it was a com- almost a completely different person. Mm. Not obviously in physical appearance, 
But the amount of changing I did in a very, very short period of time, again, conversely, from when I went into college, from when I went out to college, and, and I think for females especially, I had another really big jump from 25 to 30. Mm-hmm. And uh, you just, I think you have to give people the opportunity to let it unfold a little. Uh, it's scary, but, and even if you're the individual person, it's like having that sort of faith. You still have to do the work, uh-huh. but like my story is going to come out mm-hmm. if I keep understanding who I am and just keep doing the best that I can. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's sort of what's gotten me through, mm-hmm. I think, everything. I agree because I did grow up with a strong faith and, you know, I had a fairly tough childhood. Mm-hmm. We were very poor and my father was an alcoholic and mm-hmm. I had to have faith, a strong faith then. My mother was a strong woman and there were five of us children and she was the one I always looked to for the strength I needed to know everything was going to be okay. But also my faith really played a big part. And I have leaned on knowing that there is a plan. Yeah. And it's hard. It is hard. Well, I think also like I had a rocky childhood. And if you talk about alcoholism, the tendency to want to control everything and lock down the future is such a strong impulse. I have it. I fight it all the time. And so I think as long as we can understand and even be kind to ourselves and go, hey, I understand why I have this impulse. Mm-hmm. However, it's not really going to serve me, you know, and it's, you, you might do so that true. dance your whole life. And what you just said is helping so many people out there because I truly lived every day growing up with uncertainty, mm-hmm. not knowing if the bills were going to be paid, if we had food on the table, when my father would come home, yeah. or how long he was going to be gone because he would go away to drink. He didn't ever want to drink in front of us. Right. And, uh, but that, that's very, I think it's more common than we realize for, for starters. And I think also when you, like, you have an element of sort of a properness mm-hmm. to you that your family, it was sort of the families too, that it's all about like, being brave and like appearance and we don't Mm -hmm. talk about certain things. Mm -hmm. I think um, what is interesting is, so we have these formative years that are so short. Mm -hmm. Is it, you know, is it the first 10 years? Is it, is it 16 years? Whatever it is. And then we spend our entire adult life looking at it and go, I don't live back in that reality anymore. You live in abundance Mm -hmm. and you still have these hardwired impulses that like, how do we say, okay, I don't need this anymore because it would sort of be like, I don't know, I liken it to, you know, you play Monopoly and then uh, you switch games and now you're playing chess, but you're trying to play chess with the Monopoly rules. And it's like, no, you're not playing Monopoly anymore. You're playing chess. And I think as an adult, those are the things that probably most of us are constantly navigating. Mm -hmm, That's true. I can remember when I made the decision or realized I have the right to leave that legacy behind mm-hmm. and create my own legacy. Yeah. I think a lot of us don't realize that. We don't have to live the legacy we were given no. when we were born. No, that's actually your parents, your family's legacy. That's exactly right. And our right. job is to go out and create this new story and um, and also, you know, to have some level of forgiveness mm-hmm. and make sure we're in environments that still feel good to us. Mm-hmm. You know, I have this even with my own mother. I, I I appreciate my mother and I love her, but I'm also at a place in my life where if it doesn't feel good to me, mm-hmm. I have allowed myself the freedom without anger or, you know, anything negative to be like, oh, yeah, no, I, I actually, I can't visit because it's not good for me. Uh-huh. And that's very hard um, to create that space in real estate uh, for, for yourself because of duty and obligation that's and right. things like that. But I think it's, um, you know, you're only here once. That's right. And I think um, everybody has to, they make their choices mm-hmm. and they're living in their consequences. Mm-hmm. And um, I think forgiveness is important so you oh. can move on. And and that's I've, this has been always the most interesting question. Maybe you can ask Philip. So I have said, if I have forgiven people for things, but yet I'm not really interested in pursuing a rich and deep relationship because certain things have not changed, is that genuine forgiveness? I believe it is, yes. But it's a very interesting place, especially when you go, hey, I'm trying to be a better person or whatever, Mm -hmm. that in that same breath you're saying, I'm so sorry. I can't." It's like people who have bad friendships. It's like, I can't be friends with you anymore. I love you, 
but I, it's not healthy yes. for me. No, and it's, doing it's that. It's genuine forgiveness. When you do forgive someone <laughs> yes. for their wrongs and what they've done to you, then aside from that, then you have the right for yourself to make the decision whether or not you continue to have a relationship with them. That, yes. that is completely separate from but as females, your choice to forgive them. That's perceived as harsh. Like men can do that more freely. And I, with women, mm -hmm. right, we've got to really work into that. Like forget 20s and 30s doing that. I think you get around 40 and you start going like, oh, wait a second. I disagree. I don't see that you, you as harsh at all. I see that as a strong, confident decision you've made in your life to protect yourself yes. and the life you're living. Yeah. If you have recognized that this person brings a toxic, if you will, yeah. a negative vibe in your life, and yeah. you are making a decision for what is right for you, right. because you and only you can do that. I don't believe it's selfish to put ourselves first I and to either. take care of ourselves I, I think so we can take care of those we love. Imperative. Mm -hmm. And tell me what the name of your book is. Tell the listeners. Oh, well. I know it. Tell the the last book I wrote um, was called My Foot is Too Big for the Glass Slipper, A mm -hmm. Guide to the Less Than Perfect Life. And um, my first book had a, the, the word big in it and um, and this whole notion of like, you know, Cinderella and such. Mm -hmm. And I do have, I have a size 12 foot. So there was sort of a lot of, at play. And I think too, it's the storytelling of like, we're supposed to be perfect and live a perfect life. And I, and I got to a place where I was like, okay, well, how about if we live a, a meaningful life or a rich life or a life full of love? And yes, within that is there are going to be life brings you hardships or what have you. But this idea of perfect uh, mm -hmm. is, uh, it's unfair. It's un, it's unrealistic. Uh -huh. It's, uh, it, it, well, it's ridiculous. So yes. I thought, screw it. I'll just put it out there. And, I love it. You know, why not? I love that. Yeah. The first page of a book never tells the full story. And those news alerts and headlines, like the ones we get on our phones, don't even scratch the surface of what the story is really all about. Stories are like people, multi-layered and complex. It takes some digging to find the truth, but when we find it, it can change our world. We like to dig. The news on Merritt Street, essential television. I'm going to stop right here and... Okay. I do two things on every podcast, okay. and it's consistently, we have a drink of the day. Okay. We have a delicious non-alcoholic drink of the day, and it is a coconut water with mm -hmm. a strawberry, blueberry, and pineapple garnish. Okay. It's very refreshing, and it's very hydrating. So, Rose is going to bring that out for us. You just bring out coconut water? There you yes. go. I love that. Do you like coconut water? I do. We I have a business, it. actually. I'll send you some. I know, that, that's we what we're going to talk about. Freeze-dried right. coconut. I'll send you some. <gasps> really? With Aquaman, with, um, it has <gasps> minerals and such. So <gasps> if people really talk about being hydrated, there's an opportunity um, to get you that. Oh, that's my next question. For Thank you. So, it's not every day someone just appears. Cheers. Oh, no. Mahalo. Thank you. I'm going to take a sip. Is that okay? It's so pretty. It almost looks like you shouldn't drink it. I know. Mm. And, and we won't pay wow. for that tomorrow. You know what I mean? Yeah. Hydration, hydration, hydration. Yeah. True. <laughs> so now that I did bring out the drink of the day, mm -hmm. I want to talk about, or I want you actually to talk about your business venture with yeah. your husband, Laird. Let me stop right there. Okay. Let's talk about Laird, okay. you and Laird All right. before, because it's not fair to go into this okay. topic <laughs> and not give him some credit. I give you some beefcake credit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Your beautiful relationship and and everything about that before we go into what you are both now doing, mm -hmm. which is so exciting. So tell us, how did y'all meet? I met Laird in 1995. I was doing a, I, I've done quite a bit of TV interviewing people. I enjoy doing it. I learn a lot. I'm, you know, um, inspired by people. And mm -hmm. I was doing a show uh, called The Extremists, Go Figure. Oh. And I was going to Hawaii and I interviewed this uh, at the time, we, you know, Laird is known for be riding very big waves. So it was a big wave surfer. And, uh, you know, I had done 60 shows. I didn't think anything of it. I wasn't looking for a dating. I uh, wasn't trying to date anyone. I had <laughs> that all. I was 25. There yeah. was action all around, you know. <laughs> I didn't need to, like. And so I, when I interviewed Laird, a lot of things uh, impacted me. Uh, you know, he's just a very intense person. And... Um, and also uh, completely authentic. Like if he, 
he couldn't pretend like even I don't know if maybe you even have this. Um, Dr. Phil seems like to have a splash of this as as from what I can read mm-hmm. is um, even when you want them to sort of like <laughs> spare somebody, God. you're just like, yeah, it's not going to happen. Like oh they're just going to be like, boom, like yes. here it is. Right. So Laird is just like, there it is. Like I fell up, please. Yeah. Didn't but it's, you see that she was. It's like, great. This is a social dinner. Oh, yeah. No, Couldn't it's great. Just, though. Yeah. It's I love it because I respect it. At the end of I the day, too. it's like I you always too. know where you stand. I'm not reading into anything. Yes. I know exactly what's going yes. on. Honesty. And, I yeah. mean and he and he does that. He he's also the first person to apologize. He yes. like that's the other side of that trait, which is like, you know what, I blew it. And or this is how I feel. And even if I'm wrong, but okay, yeah. you know. Yes, yes. And so I lived with Laird eight days later and um oh. he we, we certainly have had our, uh, we've had, I would say two up and downs, <laughs> you know, like yeah. one in, one in 2000 <laughs> when I was 30, I sort of had a personal meltdown, like my own midlife. And I was yeah. like, oh yeah, I didn't sign up for this. <laughs> and I, we, we had a, a bit of a rocky year and we worked through that. And, uh, when I was pregnant with my second daughter, uh, in 2007, we sort of, you know, I think marriages have things uh-huh. and, you know, Laird used to drink alcohol. And in 2007, I think was his reckoning of this isn't working for me because you can't tell i mean you when it comes to alcohol you can't tell anyone anything but for a guy like laird a bunch of alcohol (laughs) it will just ever and the the tricky thing about laird was he drank at home he only drank pinot noir he he was high high functioning up at five in the morning training i mean crazy sweet everything but it's still it's dangerous Mm -hmm. alcohol is a weird insidious thing because it alters somebody's essence. And so, you know, you go in and you go, well, he's kind of here, but not really. Yes. And on his own, because again, he's not a person to tell what to do. I mean, what I love about Laird is I'm not here. I can't control Laird. Yes. We have a very peaceful relationship in this way that I I always say we're we're both too kind of mean and tough to afford bickering and that kind of stuff. And he's not a guy, he won't tell you like, there's no rules. Mm-hmm. You just understand that you have to respect Laird and Laird will respect you. Yes. You know, that's the other thing. He's not asking for something he's not willing to give times to, Yes. but don't, he said to me years ago, um, you know, I had a mom and she died and I was like, oh, oh, okay. I don't need another one. Correct. And so <laughs> what that's been very good for me. And as a relatively strong female, the relationship with Laird has allowed me to really explore my feminine side. And, um, because I can but trust him. But then does he at times kind of lean towards you as if he wants you to be mom? No. Or, or guide uh, nurturing. him or nurturing. That's the yes. difference. So, True. yes, I am a confidant and I am somebody who will, great. you know, sort of like when we're looking at things. But I'd say there's a difference between mothering and nurturing. So true. So he's certainly looking for nurturing, but he is one of the most loving. I feel cherished, which I think really at the end of the day besides like fixing things that I don't want to fix or if a yes. fire's coming, Laird's fighting the fire. Um, I just would really want to feel appreciated and mm-hmm. cherished and desired. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And he's like, go get him, honey, go out in the world. Aww. So I think it's, I feel really, for, maybe you've experienced this the longer you go into your relationship. When you find someone that you actually like and you think, oh, we have a, a couple tools that we can sort of navigate a couple things, uh-huh. you start to value it more. I agree. Because you realize it's unusual. I agree. I agree. Philip and I have been married 40, almost... Oh, my God. 44 years. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> we've been together. Maybe we should put alcohol in this coconut <laughs> water. <laughs> and we've been together almost 48. When I say almost, it's just a matter of a few months. Mm-hmm. So been married almost 44 years, and it it is something that we both have come to really cherish, well, yeah. that everything we talked about before we got married, negotiated, discussed... A lot of times before we got married, we are so proud that we can look back and say, wow, we really have done our best at what has been a phenomenal job. And yeah. it, is, it is a job. Being married is a job. It's a full-time job that yeah. you can't slack on. Now, I mean, you no. could let it, you know. You could let slack on it, but then you will pay a price you'll pay a five, price. 10 years down yes. the road. Because when I say... A job. It's a great job. Absolutely. It's a great full-time job. It's a, well, and parenting I wanna, is a job. Yeah, I, I want to focus on it. Yeah. I want to put him first. Yeah. I want to put our relationship, not necessarily him, but our our marriage first. 
Well, and it's them too. You know, like you're, you know, I always say it's myself, my, my relationship with Laird and the, and my children. Of course, if something goes down with my kids, they're obviously number right, one. Right, of course. But in that order, because if I'm feeling pretty good, then my relationship with him mm-hmm. and, oh, we're tending to that and it creates a peaceful vibration mm-hmm. in the house mm-hmm. and right. we have a, you know, sort of consolidated front to deal with our children and they feel a level of safety and security. My daughters have all accused... All they each individually at different times have said, "Oh, you and Dad are on on the same team, or your Dad's number one." All the stuff, and I'm like, "Okay, first of all, I have to work for it because I'm Dad's wife. You guys are his daughters. You're his. You know, someone said power for life. You are his daughters for life. So, Laird has has taught me a lot as well. You know, his ability to be clear. I think he, you know, he spends quite a bit of time in nature." So mm-hmm. a white noise doesn't really impact Laird as much. And so when I start feeling wobbly, I can look and he is very clear. So within it is a real simplicity. Mm-hmm. But if you look at that, there's sort of a, he, his philosophy is actually quite sophisticated because within, how do you find taking big concepts and actually try to get them down to an essence Yes. about what is really important. What are we really talking about? Mm-hmm. So I am so grateful to live with a person because it's like a built-in bumper. Mm-hmm. You know, if I start mm-hmm. going down a weird path, he's yes. like, just even the presence of him, I'm like, what am I talking about? I love that. Yeah. So I'm so glad I get to share life with him. And um, he's a very intense person. But conversely, all the boyfriends I had before that were like, oh, you're so intense. You're so harsh. You're so this. Compared to Laird, you know, I'm like a flower. And so <laughs> I don't have to apologize for also wanting to approach life the way that I do, which is kind of straight ahead. Mm-hmm. So I found mm-hmm. a partner that uh, it's not an issue. And that's, right. I think, really important for people. He if loves that about you, correct. allows you to do that. But yeah. at the same time, he's almost, I as right now I'm envisioning, he's, he almost is like a wave that comes up behind you and supports you. Yeah pushes you, but always has your back. That's how I Absolutely. feel about Philip. Absolutely. And I think that's important for people in relationships. Certain things shouldn't be a struggle. Mm-hmm. Obviously, cohabitating and learning communication, all these things, these are these are things that you're maintaining. Mm-hmm. But certain things about yourself, if they're not, if they're traits that are not negative and they're part of who you are and something in some way that you want to express yourself, that shouldn't be the part that you're tap dancing with, right. with your partner. That is so true. That's so, so true. So that's, and you know. I love that. <laughs> Laird, my intensity for Laird is like, haha, you know, because he, he's so intense. So it's fine. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love that uh, you have identified every characteristic that's about your husband that even though some people may think, whoa, I don't know if I could handle that, you adore everything about him. Yes love everything about him and it just works beautifully yeah because of that i think i realized when i was younger whether it was subconscious or not because i don't know that i ever verbalized it was i'm not looking for a nice husband i'm looking for a good husband meaning a person who their values i admire and respect i i don't need a guy who's like oh that laird he's what a nice guy yeah i don't care yes you know, that's what I love about Philip is because he doesn't sugarcoat anything. No, so there's a lot of people but he's that not it's, mean. it's polarizing. Like yes. my husband, people who really love him or they're like, ugh. Yeah. And I'm okay with that. Yes. And don't you think, I don't know about Laird, but they, our husbands seem so much alike. But does he have a great sense of humor? Very good. So and and sometimes too. he says things and all the girls and I roll our eyes because yeah. we don't want to give it to him, you know? Yes. And Laird's like, Looks at us, he's like, well, at least I make myself laugh, you know, because, <laughs> or he'll say something and I don't respond and I totally heard it. Yeah. And he's like, did you hear that? I was like, mm-hmm. You <laughs> know, like, so, uh, like, that's so know. me too, because yeah. sometimes I can't give it up because no, no. I know he's brilliant and I think he's got all the answers, but I refuse to tell him oh, that yeah. sometimes. Or it's I almost can't. inappropriate. I'm mm, like, yeah. yeah, no, I'm not giving it to you, but inside it's pretty yeah. funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the same way. How long have you been married again? 22 years together. Love that. 24. Love that, that you still feel that way and... Oh, yeah. Well, I say it's... Not steal, that you do feel that way. Well, you know, it's something that you maintain. So each day I always say I'll wake up. When I put my feet on the floor, I will do my very best in my marriage uh, because I know this is the time to do that. I think if you talk to people maybe who were in a relationship and it's understandable, 
kids and work and busy lives can get people to be, you know, disconnected mm -hmm. and they don't maintain it. And then before they know it's, they're not, they can't find their way back. That's true. And I think if you talk to a lot of people, they would have said, if I had the opportunity maybe to just give a little more, pay a little more mm -hmm. attention, smile a little mm -hmm. more often, mm -hmm. address things a little more directly um, or say, hey, you know, let's sneak away and we only have 15 minutes, like whatever that yes. is. So I figure I'm in it now, like I'm getting on the train. I'm not waiting for the train to, you know, go by yes. me on the platform kind I of agree. thing. People, a lot of people will ask me, uh, well, what's your secret after like 43 years? What's your secret to mm -hmm. always having that smile? And when y'all are together, you just seem really happy. And I, I said, well, you know, I, I, on any given day, I could give a yeah. Any answer, sure. different answer. Like Nick, last week, I would have said, <laughs> "Are yeah. you kidding me?" Yeah, he's such a jerk. <laughs> but you know, most days I would say it probably really, in the end, comes down to the fact that we had a lot of conversations before we got married uh, about what it would take to be happily married. Like, right? Why bother he, otherwise? Yeah, exactly. It's like I want to know your definition of being happily married. Mm. And he, we ask each other the same questions. And in the end, to this day, even 43 years later, I can remember those conversations. And I believe what was probably the most pivotal question and answer was, I told him and he told me the buttons I could push to upset him. Yeah, I choose not to do those. No, I think that's something that you have to protect, right? That's like right. it's like someone giving you really uh, deep or uh, important information yes. about themselves. That your job is to protect that. To protect that. Yeah. In that moment, he became a hundred percent vulnerable. Yeah. And he told me exactly what I could do to upset him, mm -hmm. hurt him, devastate him. Yeah. And after forty-three, really forty, you know, seven years, yeah. I've never done those things. I make a choice to never, right. ever go there. Well, it's like almost sometimes saying really mean things that you can't take back. That's right. I, you know, you if you saw Laird and I, you'd look at us and think, oh, they must be brutes. The fact of the matter is, with any person, I I am so careful with my words. Mm. Uh, my sixteen-year-old said to me one day recently, like a couple of weeks ago, she's like, "No, what are you really thinking?" She's like, you're too measured. And I'm like, no, I'm not. I really want to understand what I'm feeling because I think people have to, they can say sticks and stones, but mm -hmm. when you're in a really intimate relationship, so friendships, any kind of relationship, I think you have to really make sure that your words are something, because people will forgive you, but you make Never it dangerous. Those words. You're not safe. That's right. And I think one thing you always want to be is somebody who's safe. Where it doesn't mean you can't come straight ahead and be like, hey, we're, I'm here to have a confrontation. But it's still within the rules and, and safe. So that's right. I think that's... Um, that's right. And I think the Hard other thing you must have, you probably you definitely have after all these years, and people don't realize, is sometimes people just have chemistry. Yes. And true. there's nothing you can do. Either you have it or you don't. That's right. And um, I think you can, you can add and enhance the chemistry and keep the chemistry alive. Mm -hmm. But I do think certain... Friendships, certain couples, they start with a lot of chemistry. I, I agree with that. And um, that's when I said it's a full-time job. Yeah. It's a full-time great job. Yeah. Because um, I love trying to think, just as you said, I love trying to think of ways to make him happy, uh, to enhance the relationship, or to do something funny. Mm -hmm. I love to see him laugh. Mm -hmm. He loves to see me laugh. Mm -hmm. And so... It's not an everyday thing. Of course, life no. is busy. And, yeah. But still to this day, he loves surprising me. He's big That's on great. surprises. And it could be just coming home with my favorite dessert or yeah. whatever. Yeah. But... Um, that's so important to continue for as long as you're together to focus on what you know makes someone happy, not what you can say to upset them. Oof. Yes. I, I never understood why you'd want to be in a relationship and be com like purposely combative. Exactly. I think the, I, I always said, listen, I'll be responsible for my side. And if I can come in and, and make your life better, I will. Hopefully you choose the same. And, um, I think we live in a day and age where everybody's telling everybody, mm -hmm. and I actually don't think that works. Mm -hmm. I think what you do is if you're in a situation, you know, you live by your code, mm -hmm. and if that person doesn't have a code that's lining up with yours, you go, oh, okay, then this relationship, I must be moving on. Uh -huh. 
but you wouldn't, uh-huh. you know, stay there and be like, I'm going to force you or I'm going to withhold now or I'm so going to change my code because you're being not the way I want you to be. That's so true. So. I mean, at least give them a chance. Philip will always say, you got to put the dots really close together for sure. some people. Absolutely. But, Absolutely. Uh, at least give them the chance. But once you do, yeah. they don't do it. Pick they're it purposely not doing what yeah. you've told them you need them to do. Yeah, adios. And so yeah. take note of that not as well. Not stay and abuse them. Yeah, exactly. So as you referenced earlier, what's most important to Philip is, and he's told me this, is that I go to bed every night knowing I am loved by that man. And and I do. I wake up every morning knowing I am loved by that man. That's what's most important to him. Yeah. So a goal, I guess. Pretty good. So now that we've talked about your beautiful relationship and your amazing husband, you two have this new business venture. Yeah. And I say new. How how long have you been doing your... Uh, superfood. Oh, okay. So one of our businesses is Laird Superfood, and it's been uh, in existence for five years. And um, I call it's the uni- it's the unicorn. You know, we have other businesses. Uh-huh. We have a fitness business, XPT. We've done other things together. This, you know, I always say to people, and if you talk to any entrepreneurs, you have to do s- certain things, and no one will ever interview you about the ones that failed. And so people will only see, oh my gosh, they have this thing going, but Mm -hmm. I can, you know, I could write down all the failures that got us to this place. But Laird Superfood was born about five years ago, really off of a natural habit of Laird's that he was doing for over 20 years with coffee Uh and then using healthy fats. I'm so in love with this. Oh, I'm going to send you a huge package. So what I love about this business is first of all, Laird has a mantra of if you do something every day, do do the have the best stuff. Uh-huh. So like if you sleep in a certain pillow, mm-hmm. uh, and this is sort of a caveman kind of guy, right? Like yes. my husband is like rogue and surf shorts and doesn't care about shoes, but like you know whatever toothpaste he uses is the very best as far as ingredients, yes, it, things like that. So and health, yeah. He's fitness, like, listen, if you're clean. doing something every day make it the best. So a gentleman named Paul Check, literally 17 years ago, introduced Laird to ghee in his coffee. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the monks were doing yak butter tea and things. This is not new. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so Laird was always doing this. And we had a gentleman who was a startup guy running another business of ours. And he watched Laird for three years make these drinks with healthy fats. Because uh-huh. so, Laird loved coffee, but coffee and, and a good fat, like a coconut uh, or things like that, what happens is is they they sort of work together. So the caffeine gets your body jacked up, but the mm-hmm. fat feeds your brain. Mm-hmm. And also you don't go up and crash right. because of the fat. It has a sort of more of a time release. So for Laird, for his training, he can be go, I can go on and on and on. I can concentrate everything. So within after the gentleman said, do you mind if I see if I can get this, like try to recreate it? Uh-huh. And Laird's like, yeah, sure. Within three months, they had the original creamer. I'd say we have about 20 SKUs now. Uh, the company is really, really, really doing well. Oh, I love it. And I love what it. I like is that I can say, oh, I knew, I know about, like, we've got mushroom in our creamers. So you won't taste it. So for right. a person listening, they're like, oh, come on. You can't taste it. But now here's a way that we can say in your daily habit, mm-hmm. we're going to fortify your immune system. We'll put mushroom in. You don't sacrifice taste. Remember, I'm the female in the room. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't mm-hmm. taste good, don't bother me with right. it. Right. And um, so they don't have to sacrifice any of that. And they have got unsweetened flavors. It's all plant-based. I actually eat high-level plant uh, animal protein myself, uh-huh. but our company is completely um, plant-based. We, we actually own our factories in Oregon, so we don't have co-packing partners. So we're sort of con- you know, vertical. And now Laird, because this Laird was raised on Kauai. We live on Kauai. He's very much into... In that culture, you know, they they farm, they fish, they hunt, they do things like that. So now we're looking into farming um, acai and turmeric and some of the ingredients that we actually oh, use in the product. That's fabulous. Yeah. So we're I'm I, very what I all love natural. Ab- I love everything all natural. Yes, not but it's synthetic. not all natural. Ew. And okay, I'm doing something good for myself, so I'll choke it down. It's like, oh, I don't have to sacrifice anything, mm-hmm. and you will feel a difference. Um, mm-hmm. What I love about this too is we'll go places and there will be women who are middle-aged or whatever. They don't know Laird from a hole in the wall as far mm-hmm. as like big wave surfer. And they'll say, "Don't oh wait, don't you, you have those creamers? And I said to Laird, pray that they 
you've become the creamer guy because, and he enjoys it because he can't share with you what it's like to ride a big wave. He could say, hey, let's talk about pursuing dreams or innovation. Mm -hmm. But this is something he gets so much enjoyment. He'll make it because that's how he does it in yes. our house. He'll make well, it for you. Pretty much how he's known around this office. Ha hand the creamer, it to you. The creamer hand guy. it to you and be like, and for you to go, oh, I love this. Yes. The thrill he gets from it is so genuine. Um, so it's a way to sh so you know exciting. share with people. So I'm really happy about that business. And, and also we try to do things that you can feel proud of. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. um, and that, because in a way, and I want to say this for people, you pay a price sometimes for saying, oh, I don't, I don't actually believe in that or I wouldn't use it. Mm -hmm. And so especially as like athletes or things when you're endorsing things. And so you say a lot more times, you say no. And so what happens is the world, the universe, nature, God, will, if you hold your line, mm -hmm. will say, no, you'll find your reward. It may not be as quick as you want. It may not be in what you expect, but it's going to find you. Oh my gosh, you're so right. I love that. Yeah. I love that you just said that. Now, I don't know how anyone could listen to what you've been saying, listen to Laird speak. I, I haven't, but I can just imagine how. He's pretty smart, Laird. Oh, my gosh. I can just tell you. I'm convinced <laughs> way, of that. I've never heard Laird say the word dude in my life, just oh, to be clear. Really? <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm glad you said that, but... That's I would love to hear the two of you get together and speak. I can I would sit there for hours and hours. And but I'm telling you, this product, I've got to have it. I've got to have all well, of the products. I'm gonna send you all venture. I'll send you a care package for here oh, so you guys can enjoy it. If people use it, I do say I do remind them though, because it's right now in powder. We have a, a, a liquid creamer coming out in May, but you really have to mix it. That's okay. the only thing. So mm -hmm. everything gets melted together uh -huh. and mixes. Uh -huh. and, yeah. I can't wait. I cannot wait. Yeah. I'm so excited for you, for the for both of you. Well, thank with you. With everything you're doing. Well, thank you. And actually, funny enough, and, and it might put some people to sleep, but I did I have a podcast as well. And Laird, I interviewed Laird was my first guest because I <gasps> thought it would be a way to create an intimacy or a snapshot about it. who I am. I love and it. so um that was a lot of fun because he Was it a lot of fun? Yeah. And the best is like when they look at you like I'm over it, like I gotta go. <laughs> and you're just like, no. That's so cute because <laughs> Philip has two podcasts, but his first one was, uh, it, or the first one he started is called Fill in the Blanks. Yeah. And he had me on as a guest, which I was shocked when he came to me and said, I I, I would really like for you to do my podcast. I was like, what? Yeah. Me? He said, I thought we'd do the, you, you'd you come on and we would talk about uh, our marriage because our anniversary was coming up for the in like two weeks and yeah. so I did it and I have to tell you I was a little bit nervous but yeah. for two seconds but then it was a lot of fun so I'm about to do a podcast next week which will be the final podcast for my first season amazing and so this morning coming for this one I said Philip we're dark next week would you consider being my final guest and what do you say he went. Tell me when. Tell me what day. Tell uh, me when you want me to be there, and I'll be there. And I was like, oh, I was. I don't know why I was just like so moved that he would do it. Yeah, of course he would. But yeah, when I was reading everything I could about you, and I saw that he was your first guest. Yeah, it was so touching to me. I thought, oh, I love that. I'm excited about yeah. him. That'll be fun. The second thing that is consistent with my podcast is okay. that we have a game of the day. All right. So how do you feel about doing games? I'm I'm open. Okay, good. So are we this wrestling? one is what called, kind of game are we doing? Every game is always with the topic of the day. So the girls here found this game and it is mm -hmm. Would You Rather? Okay. It's about fitness. All right. Oh yeah. Okay, here we go. So you'll answer first and then I'll answer. Okay. Okay. So would you rather do a morning workout mm -hmm. or evening workout? Oh, there's no comparison. Morning. Morning? You know, I used to do evening workouts and loved it because I'm a late, I'm a night owl. I stay up late, but okay. I agree with you. Morning workouts. Yeah. And also when you, if people can only get it in late, I think it's great. It's better than not doing it, but it can impact your sleep. Yes. So it, it's better to just get it off the list. What, what time in the morning do you work out? I work out probably by, once I get my kids off to school. So uh -huh. 730, eight. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Would you rather group fitness class or one-on-one -on -one training? Oh. Mm. I'd rather train in a group, uh, but in a one-on-one -on -one style of training. So mm -hmm. I don't want to be bouncing mm -hmm. around dancing in a yes. room. 
Um, I actually created a class that has a version of that and you're on a team because I like the energy and the accountability of other people. Yes. But like I want to lift weights and do that. What about you? Well, I'm kind of agreeing with everything you just said. Yeah. So now this one, I'm. would you rather do 300 push-ups or 300 sit-ups? Um, well, sit-ups are not functional. Good to know. They're, it's the dumbest move ever. Really? Yeah. Why do you need to be really strong from like this much range of motion? So push-ups is a really good primary uh, movement for genuine strength. So a lot of people listening, if they're female, especially hate push-ups, uh, they're hard for us. So I would say push-ups, do them in segments. And if you have to drop to your knees, as long as you can keep your form, that'd be the way to go. Good to know. Yeah. 300 sounds like so many. Yeah. Well, you don't have to do them in a row. I mean, you could take a moment, go back to it. Good to know about sit-ups. Okay. So I agree. Yeah. Sit-ups, if people wanted to get ab workouts, it's in your nutrition and in your cardio. It is actually mm -hmm. not in sit-ups. Okay. Never sweat during a workout uh -huh. or never feel sore after a workout. Oh, I would ditch both of those because sweat is a good indication of how hard you're working. And soreness is important because that means that you did enough work that you tore muscle so that you actually built something. You tore muscle? Well, when you train, there's a sort of a deconstruction of muscle. So mm -hmm. that soreness is a, it's just an indicator that you did work and that that's how we build and change okay. the body. Um, now, sore, like you can't sit on the toilet. Certainly, I would forego that. Yes, that yeah. kind of sore. I've been there, done that. Yes. Okay, good. <laughs> See, this never sweat during a workout. I actually don't sweat that much. Yeah. We lived in Texas. I played oh. tennis outdoors, mm -hmm. and I just never sweat. Yeah. It's my whole life I've been that way. But everyone is different. Yeah. I think, you know, the only thing good about sweat is it's sort of a detoxing. Mm -hmm. But if you're not a sweater, then maybe you should hit the sauna. Just hit the dry sauna yes. once in a while yes. and okay, sweat good. that way. Because that's so healthy Important. for you. Oh, to, yeah. Well, I, so, I hate it that I didn't even sweat. would be good. Okay, good. Because I do like feeling that soreness. It just proves yeah. I... You know what I mean? You're like, oh, yeah, yeah. I something. did the work. Okay, green juice or ginger shot? I think ginger shot. Really? Uh, I, I appreciate green juice. I think I just know that the ginger will support your immune system. And unless the green is from right that moment, who's to know if it's still sort of alive mm -hmm. and what you're getting from it besides empty calories. So the safe bet would probably be ginger, even though it would not, it would be a little more painful. Yes. Burning. I will tell you, I don't eat anything green. Really? Yes. I, I cannot eat anything green except for... Tell me. Asparagus. Interesting. But I have a very sensitive digestion. Is it your, I was going to say maybe your body can't enzyme. break down the enzymes because that's why little kids don't like green stuff. Mm -hmm. Their stomach hasn't developed the enzyme to break down the greens yet. Yes. Interesting. I, the enzymes in the green vegetables, lettuce, anything green, um, even cauliflower because it's green first. Yeah. Oh, I wow. cannot digest it. Yeah. And it's so yeah, because that stuff is hard to digest. And ginger, you know, I one time. I, have, I need to try a ginger shot. How about turmeric? Forget ginger. I Just go that. to the turmeric instead. You don't need it. Good. A little bit of kombucha and turmeric inside of it. Perfect. Because the fizzy Great. will dilute how much it hurts the back of your throat. Great. Because if know. you do that and boil it and then add a little honey, it can be really nice on your tummy. Thank you. I'm going to try that. I don't know. Because I know ginger's if, so good. If you feel something coming on. Okay. Do a full workout to the same song mm. on repeat mm. or in complete silence. Oh, no. I can't do silence. I couldn't do silence. I couldn't. It better be a really good song. It's going to, yeah, it's going to have to be a good song. Yeah, that's it, like driving the car with my teenagers. I'm like, oh I think God, I've yes. heard this the fourth time. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. I'd have to do, I'd have to do one of my son's songs. Mm -hmm. Okay. Eat tilapia uh -huh. and asparagus. There you go. Babe. Or chicken and broccoli every single day. Oh, the fish would probably get to me. I don't as, eat and, much fish. And it's tricky on chicken because, like, what kind of chicken? As long as it's some good, you know, like it was just running around. Yeah. Yep. I, I think I'd have to go with the chicken. Ooh. It I would only be chicken for me because well, I could you eat can't, the broccoli. Well, I was going to say you could have the asparagus. Maybe you could, could have just this. asparagus and chicken. And I don't eat much fish. I can't eat a lot of fish. Really? Okay, so strong upper body and... Uh -huh. Weak lower body mm -hmm. or strong lower body and weak upper body. So there's three indicators for um, aging. 
that are really important, or uh, several. One is uh, your grip strength. Mm -hmm. uh, one is your ability to right yourself if you're going to fall, like mm -hmm. if you're going to slip. Um, the other is to be able to get up and down independently on your own. Mm -hmm. And there's another one that's a little more abstract, which has to do with your uh, cardiovascular capacity, right? Mm -hmm. Which we think we completely lose when we're older, but you don't have to. So it's so important to be able to get up and down off a bed, a toilet, the floor. So I would have to say lower body. Good to know. I mean, good think. Yes, that's that's something to think about. That's way too practical, but that's just. But the, no, that's I love I that, especially at someone my age, because I was actually thinking strong upper body, but no. I, I thank yeah. you. Love that answer. Okay. Hold a plank for five minutes or hold a squat for five minutes? Oh, well, the plank would be way easier. <laughs> I love that. Your squat would, you'd probably benefit more from, but yeah, your, your plank like would be way easier. So Good I'm not so different than other people. I'll take the easy route. <laughs> Only be able to do cardio uh -huh. or strength training for the rest of your life. It, well, especially if you're female, you have to do strength training. True. There's just because you can just speed up what uh, you're, cardio you're going is not going to help us, especially if we start going uh, through menopause and things mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. It's actually, and we think, oh, we'll be thinner and all these things. The reality is, we have to have resistance uh, training and yes. actually not be afraid of protein. And it's really important. Ladies, yes. cardio themselves into. So true. I love that. That's a great game. Okay, so that brings us to the end of our time together. Thank I you. have so enjoyed sitting here with you and talking to you about so many things, but I wish we had been able to speak about every one of our topics today even more extensively because you are an amazing woman. Well, thank you for having me. And you know, one thing I've learned about doing things like this where you do interviews, which is we talked about whatever we were supposed to talk about today. I agree. So I agree. I'm glad you said that it's true. because I always have oh. a list of questions. Or then someone leaves and you go, oh, I didn't ask him that. Yes. But you realize this is what we were supposed to talk exactly. about. I love to just go with a flow, like yeah. jump around or whatever we're talking about. Yeah. Just go with that because it's meant to be, just yeah. as you said. Thank you for I having me. Thank you. So wonderful. Secret Squad. Remember to visit I've Got a Secret with RobinMcGraw.com for fun extras. Also, if you liked this episode, leave a comment. I want to read a very sweet comment I saw from Crystal Warren. Robin, I absolutely love your podcast. I've only recently gotten into listening to podcasts, and I have found a love for them. Yours and Dr. Phil's are my favorites. Yours is changing the way that I view myself and my life around me. Thank you. Well, no, thank you, Crystal. I love reading that. It makes me so happy to read these sweet comments. See you next Wednesday. Bye-bye.